1: bitcoin is highly uh unstable uh, as we've all seen i know there's the argument made by crypto bros where they're like the line still goes up you'll see it go like this and like this and like this and like this but it's still trending in an upward direction i mean it still is technically worth more now than it was when it started and uh, if it's dropped to about eighteen thousand dollars it's still i mean bitcoin used to be able to buy for two thousand dollars so the joke's on you essentially but if you're using that as the basis for generating yield if your yield is going to be generated on speculation of bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general yeah that is probably the definition of one of the riskiest business ventures and one of the riskiest things you could throw your life savings into especially being run by this moip over here if this fucking moip is the one who's going to be taking your money your hard-earned dollars and then generating yield with it to make you more moip well then yeah you probably have a problem. One week ago, as cryptocurrency prices plummeted, Celsius Network, an experimental cryptocurrency bank with more than 1 million customers, has emerged as a leader in the murky world of decentralized finance, or DeFi, announced it was freezing withdrawals due to extreme market conditions. Earlier this past week, Bitcoin dropped 50% over 24 hours to its lowest value since December 2020. Last month, Terra USD, a stablecoin, a system that was supposed to perform like a lot of conventional bank accounts, but was backed only by a cryptocurrency called Luna, collapsed, losing 97% of its value in 24 hours, apparently destroying some investors' life savings. 89 years ago, Franklin D. Roosevelt signed into law the Banking Act of 1933, also known as the Glass-Steagall Act. It separated commercial banking from investment banking, Main Street from Wall Street, to protect people who entrust their savings to commercial banks from having their money, gambled away Glass-Steagall's largest purpose was to put an end to the giant Ponzi scheme that had overtaken the American economy in the 1920s and led to the Great Crash in 1929 Americans had been getting rich by speculating on shares of stock and various sorts of exotica roughly analogous to crypto these risky assets values rose solely because of a growing number of investors put money into them but at some point Ponzi schemes topple against their own weight when the toppling occurred in 1929 it plunged the nation and the world into the Great Depression the Glass-Steagall Act was a mean of restoring stability but by the 1980s America forgot about the great trauma 1929 as the stock market soared speculators noticed they could make lots more money if they could gamble with other people's money as speculators did in the 1920s they pushed congress to deregulate wall street arguing that the united states financial sector would otherwise lose its competitive standing relative to other financial centers around the world finally in 1999 bill clinton and congress agreed to ditch what remained of the glass Steagall. as a result the american economy once again became a betting parlor inevitably wall street suffered another near death experience from excessive gambling its ponzi schemes began toppling in 2008 just as it had in 1929. The difference was this time the U.S. government bailed out the biggest banks and financial institution, uh, institutions. The wreckage was contained. Still, millions of Americans lost their jobs, their savings, and their homes, and not a single banking executive went to jail. And, uh, you know, everyone who's having a hard time affording a home right now, is is this maybe going to be a, uh, an interesting time if we enter another recession and there's a whole bunch of foreclosures and then there'll be a whole bunch more cheap homes on the market. It's, it's a healthy system working healthily, you see? Which brings us to the crypto crash. The current chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, Gary Gensler, has described cryptocurrency investments as rife with fraud, scams, and abuse. In the murky world of crypto DeFi, it's hard to know who provides money for loans, where the money flows, or how easy it is to trigger currency meltdowns. There are no standards for risk management or capital reserves. There are no transparency requirements. Investors often don't know how their money is being handled. Deposits are not insured. We're back to the Wild West finances of the 1920s. Before the crypto crash, the value of cryptocurrencies had kept rising by attracting an ever growing number of investors. Investors, some big wall street money along with celebrity endorsements but again all ponzi schemes topple eventually and it looks like crypto is now toppling why isn't this market regulated mainly because of the intensive lobbying by the crypto industry this is one of the shitty things when you have uh, an entire industry that grows and grows at the hands of the very rich i believe uh what is it uh 1000 or less um investors in crypto they're known as whales uh own approximately 40 percent of the entire cryptocurrency market uh in ether it becomes even smaller it's about 100 people own about 40 percent of the ether market um The industry is pouring large, huge money into political campaigns, and it has hired scores of former government officials and regulators to lobby on its behalf, including three former chairs of the Security and Exchange Commission, three former chairs of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, three former U.S. Senators, one former White House Chief of Staff, and a former chair of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers advised crypto investment firm Digital Currency Group, Inc., and sits on the board of Block, Inc., a financial technology firm that is investing in cryptocurrency payment systems. If we should have learned anything from the crashes of 1920 and 2008. It's that regulations of the financial market is essential. Otherwise, they turn into Ponzi schemes that eventually leave uh, small investors with nothing and destabilize destabilize the entire economy. It's time for the Biden administration and Congress to regulate crypto. Uh, I agree. I could also see nothing happening especially if you have incredibly wealthy lobbying groups now that are working on the behalf of the crypto bros just to keep this whole cycle going i can't recommend dan olson's video enough uh nfts and the problem with line going up uh specifically because a it just cuts like a warm knife through butter of the idea that someone doesn't understand crypto and that's why they don't like it uh, I don't know if anyone could watch the movie and walk away saying Dan didn't do his research he doesn't really understand cryptocurrencies and how they operate uh, I think he did an exceptional amount of research or I could also recommend Mooncat's video on the same subject when I interviewed Mooncat she explained that the reason she actually ended up doing a video on this topic is because annoying crypto bros online kept saying that she was a stupid girl who didn't understand how this whole thing works and so she was like okay fine i will learn she learned and she's like it's worse than i thought before it's so much worse than i ever thought it was before i'm gonna put this video out and that's uh that's how that one came to be but basically the idea being and nfts are kind of the hyper example of this that uh for a last fool standing scam for the way for that to work is that you will need people to continuously pour money into an otherwise worthless asset. The tokens themselves—Bitcoin tokens, Ether tokens—don't have any inherent value outside of that which we put into it. So we put in fiat currency, we buy these tokens, and that gives those t- tokens their value. And then they will increase or decrease in value based on how much fiat currency is being poured into them. This whole system, especially if you have things like NFTs, which you want to sell for enormous amounts of money at a time—sometimes three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars—and in order to keep doing that, you need liquid cash to keep pouring in. Hence the idea of giving all these celebrities Paris Hilton, Jimmy Fallon, their own NFTs, when they get their own NFTs for $300,000, $400,000 they then can talk about them and they don't even have to disclose that the whole thing is an advertisement Post Malone can throw it into a music video Jimmy Fallon can just straight up change his entire Twitter into a fucking uh, uh, NFT promotional uh, social media account, which he did Uh, up until a few days ago, possibly yesterday, his avatar was a picture of an owl NFT, he has now changed it to a picture of his family, I don't know if that has anything to do with the documentary that came out yesterday talking about how the board eight yacht club is riddled with crypto fascism i'm not entirely sure if that's uh, why he made that decision or maybe he's seen the writing on the wall and the idea of just doing a 24 7 promotion of nfts on a social media account is kind of fucked up and maybe he doesn't want to have uh, any consequences for his actions i can't say uh it's all speculation at this much like the market the crypto market itself um So now we're seeing this massive crypto crash, and what exactly is the inevitable result of all of this? Uh, Similar to stock market crashes, there is going to be a very large amount of people who had smaller amounts of money inside it because, again, you need to keep pouring money in. Uh, there's a lot of people who I'm sure we've all had a good laugh at uh, who have put in their life savings into these kind of things. $20,000 into Doge, $10,000 into Doge, $5,000 into Doge at a time when Doge was roughly worth about 32 cents. It's now worth about four cents. So they have seen an erosion of their life savings and they're probably in quite dire straits. Meanwhile, the people who have a lot of money, the whales who control the majority of the cryptocurrency market, Market and can also manipulate it. People like Elon Musk can do that for no money at all. He just has to go on his Twitter account, type out, uh Le epic Doge big chunkus, what do you think? I still support this, and then boom, a couple handful of people will once again pour real money into buying Doge, and it goes from four cents to six or seven cents, and then he can pull all of his money out at that point, uh, and make a cool little couple of million dollars. Uh again, these actions aren't regulated until the point of sale, uh, in both the US and Canada. So once you do sell your cryptocurrency, that's the point at which the US uh Uh, government or uh, the Canadian government get to tax your gains, your profits on uh, the currency itself.
0: Financial freedom. It's what everyone wants. The ability to not worry about money, the ability to flex on people and also sit on a beach for some reason with a laptop, which I'm sorry, is a dumb fantasy. Sand and keyboards do not mix. All you've done is give yourself a terrible experience with both. Sorry to go on that weird tangent, but also it needed to be said. The point is that everyone wants financial freedom and many people look to cryptocurrency as a new way to get it because nobody trusts the monopoly man controlling the money printerino anymore and because of that a lot of new people have been happy to step in and promise to be the solution the new monopoly man if you will but a better one sort of Intercelsius, celsius who we're talking about today a company that takes crypto and also lends it that pitched itself as being a new place to put your money and borrow money but that's kind of not a bank. It calls itself a new economy, an economy where,
1: quote, I'm really happy I just read that article before this. They're doing exactly what the what the U.S. tried to separate banks from doing with Wall Street. But it's called a new economy. It's new, you see. We've taken the same ideas that actually ended up bankrupting America, and we've turned it into a fancy
0: app. So give us your money, please, and we'll invest it for you. Financial freedom doesn't come with a price tag which sounds about as believable as a diet pill that gets you a six-pack without the exercise. But even so, Celsius's pitch was undeniably effective, promising up to 10% a year on your money. Since they opened their doors in 2017, they've taken in- I just want to throw this
1: out there for anyone who doesn't invest on a regular basis, a 10% return on investment is fucking really, really good for people who want to invest their
0: money into something long-term. In a grand whopping total of $25 billion dollars worth in crypto. And for a while, things were going great right up until on June 12, 2022, they suddenly collapsed without warning and froze withdrawals and went radio silent. And it has everyone wondering, how could this happen? Well, that is what we are trying to answer today. I've done a shorter video on this, which we'll link here, but this time we're going to go much deeper down the rabbit hole because I believe Celsius is unfortunately finished. Insolvent, and I'm about to tell you why it begins with one man and his vision.
2: You know, we need we need someone to help us with our financial uh, accounts, with our financial life, and normally we trust people that we think are acting in our best interest. But what if these people are not acting in our best interest? What the banks really think is that because we have to trust them, we cannot trust somebody else. So they, they don't believe that a company like Celsius can exist because who would be crazy enough to give their coin. This is
1: the entire sales pitch of crypto by the way. It's been a multitude of things, but one of the big things is that hey, this is decentralized currency. It's not going to be tethered and restricted by governments, oppressive governments. We hate governments. We're all and caps around these parts. So hey, you should invest in this. Also, we don't have all the problems of the banking industry. We don't have all the problems of Wall Street. We don't have all the problems of the stock market. We're unique, okay? We operate by our own rules. That's why. This is all cool. It's technology, space, Mars, Elon Musk, you get it?
2: their crypto to somebody who's not a bank right
0: that is Alex Lashinsky the creator of Celsius he's critical to understanding the collapse of Celsius and the first thing you should know about him is that he claims to have done a lot in his career we can get a glimpse of just how many businesses Alex has had in his lifetime from a 1999 article which says this he tried importing Urea from Russia selling Indonesian gold to Switzerland and brokering poisonous sodium cyanide excavated from China for use by gold mines in the U.S. Now, all of these businesses failed, obviously. (laughs) But the point is, he's always been selling something. And probably the biggest thing he's been selling is one of his claims that says that he's the person who invented VoIP, voice over the internet protocol, something that I I know you've used before, even if you've never heard of it. Things like WhatsApp use it. But this claim, it turns out, is actually a little bit exaggerated. Alex Mashinsky says he's one of the inventors, but all the records I could find on the history of VoIP suggest he wasn't the first to do it or even a key inventor at all. He has a patent that goes back to 1994, but VoIP was already a thing by then with an app called Rascal in 1989, and he wasn't the first to monetize it either. A company called VocalTech was the first. But as you'll find, Alex doesn't let an inconvenient truth like that stop him. Instead, he pitches himself as a central piece of this technology, despite most histories of VoIP not even mentioning him. And this is a pattern of behavior of slightly stretching the truth. He claims, in fact, to be the inventor of a lot of things. He says he has patents that cover aspects of the smart grid, ad exchanges, Twitter, Skype, the App Store, Netflix's streaming concept, You'd think he basically invented the internet, actually. And in addition to him being this amazing inventor, another core part of his story seems to be that he's also a man of the people, not interested in money, but instead he's interested in fighting for the little guy and taking down mean all monopolies this is his core pitch about voip and also it's his new pitch today about banks
2: so i i fought the monopolies my entire life i mean uh, i fought the phone companies i fought uh, all the different uh, people who uh, f- thought that it was a god-given uh, right for them to charge high rates forever to all oh. of us and and so voip was a great example of that right where Basically, we created a new technology, a new platform, completely decentralized, uh, uh, completely autonomous to the phone, to the entire phone lines infrastructure, and it wrote on the internet for free, right? So the same thing is happening now with money, right? And the first time, mm. this free is money. the first time that, that you can basically replace the banks. The internet hasn't been able to do it. The first time that the technology, the crypto technology, and the blockchain technology can replace the banks completely, With peer-to-peer. So we're going from voice over IP to money over IP.
0: Money over IP. He says that's his new project with Celsius. And I got to say, Moip has to be the worst marketing (laughs) term for something of all time. It sounds like a chronic disease, honestly. Ugh.
1: The internet was military, and by research net scientists, it was the state who did invent the internet. Well, the state and this guy, obviously, and Al Gore. Don't forget Al Gore.
0: Most people instead usually call it DeFi, decentralized finance, where you cut out the middleman and create Moip- smart contracts. It's a time. Code to replace what a bank might do, like lending, for example. Instead of going to a bank, you can go. He could have called it more. Ave to get he a, a he the loan. But crucially, in this DeFi world, Celsius doesn't exactly actually fit. Clean up your room. Because it's not decentralized at all. Ah, uh, Telfereth.
1: Uh, thank you. He's like a tech Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> Yeah, no shit. It's Moipin' time.
0: I'm Moipin' over it's here. Just his company. And this is where things get a little weird. Because when Alex Mashinsky describes what Celsius is in theory, it sounds like he's eliminating banks.
2: That is the killer, the, the application of basically eliminating the toll collector uh, uh, is the purpose of the blockchain.
0: But then when he describes what Celsius actually
1: Eliminating the toll collector, you do know that when you make transactions in cryptocurrency,
0: there's usually fees associated with it. Does, it sounds like he is a bank.
2: So Celsius network enables you to deposit your coins, enables you to lend them to someone else and you get to keep 80% of the value. I mean, you just heard
0: it. Celsius takes deposits and lends money. That's literally the definition (laughs) of a bank, according to Investopedia, except, well, for the fact that in this definition, it also says license. Uh, And in that one sense, the worst sense of all, Alex is correct. Celsius is not a bank because it turns out they're not licensed to do this. If your bank loses money, for example, it's insured. If Celsius loses your money, well, you're out of luck. And this verbal sleight of hand is a pattern with Celsius. Mashinsky would use words like deposit and withdraw, which sounds like banking terms for a savings account, don't they? But in their terms of service, they explicitly spell out that these aren't banking terms at all. It's not what they mean. Instead, Celsius considers these deposits actually a loan to them that you are lending to them to then lend to somebody else. And when you withdraw your money, you're not withdrawing from an account you own, you're calling your loan due basically. And it turns out that's a pretty big difference. The other big trick they did was convincing people that like a savings account, they said their earn program where you could get up to 10% a year on your deposit They said it was low risk, incredibly low risk as seen in this clip. Bitcoin
2: pays dividend price Celsius. How does Bitcoin Bitcoin pay a dividend? How does Bitcoin pay a dividend? dividend? Because we earn yield. How do you (laughs) earn? (laughs) Because we earn yield. We're moiping over here. Come on.
0: (laughs) Yield on Bitcoin. What do you do to generate income on that Bitcoin?
2: I'm happy to spend an hour with you. Yeah, uh, you're trading it. You've got to be taking tremendous amount of risk. The Bitcoin no, itself it, doesn't generate any yield. It does, just like How? any other asset can generate yield. Gold. No, but we what, get earnings, gold. what earnings? What earnings does the Bitcoin gold, generate? Gold generates five.
1: Okay, so if he's comparing Bitcoin to gold, gold, yes, does increase in value over time. Bitcoin is highly uh, unstable, uh, as we've all seen. I know there's the argument made by Crypto Bros where they're like, the line still goes up. You'll see it go like this and like this and like this and like this, but it's still trending in an upward direction. I mean, it still is technically worth more now than it was when it started. And uh, if it's dropped to about $18,000, it's still, I mean, Bitcoin used to be able to buy for $2,000. So the joke's on you, essentially. But if you're using that as the basis for generating yield if your yield is going to be generated on speculation of bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general yeah that is probably the definition of one of the riskiest business ventures and one of the riskiest things you could throw your life savings into especially being run by this moip over here if this fucking moip is the one who's going to be taking your money your hard-earned dollars and then generating yield with it to make you more moip well then yeah you probably have a problem
2: five and a half percent at celsius Yield. No. Token what you yield. are you doing generate to generate that? You,
3: you've
0: got. You must be taking tremendous risk
2: to You're generate those returns.
3: Risk.
0: Well, that turned out to be a huge lie. They were taking <laughs> tremendous risk. Now, I spoke with a Celsius insider who, on the condition of being anonymous, told me that quote they were kind of degenerate in their DeFi pools. So it turns out they were taking tremendous risk, according to their own people. And I also spoke with a crypto sleuth called Dirty Bubble Media who's been tracing these actions a long time before it fell apart to understand more. And I asked him, how is it possible that Celsius could earn 10% or more on their crypto? Here's what he told me.
4: Essentially, they were engaging in some fairly risky practices, essentially taking borrow- um, borrowed assets and lending on them multiple times in order to try to maximize the yield. And most of, most of their yield was likely coming from stablecoin loans, at least. Their claims are that they were many making these large loans of stable coins out to uh, institutional traders who were engaging in undescribed or undisclosed um, activities that somehow generated the returns sufficiently high enough to make these uh, 10% or higher payments.
0: One way I had heard it described was that people thought they were investing in a bank with Celsius, but actually they were investing in more like a hedge fund. Do you sort of agree with that? Yeah, I mean,
4: I think that describing them as hedge a hedge fund, fund that was playing with retail money is probably a, a fairly charitable way to describe it, but they definitely weren't operating like a bank.
0: So I know you looked at their DeFi wallets. What kind of returns did you see them getting there? Did you see them getting like 10%, 12%,
4: 15%? No, not at all. Um, so what their, what part of their strategy was using DeFi to access stable coins. So for example, they would borrow ether from their customers They would then deposit that borrowed ether into, say, a compound uh, uh, DeFi protocol and then use that as collateral to then borrow stable coins against. And then from there, the stable coins flow out all over the place. And that's something that trying to track that is very difficult. Um, But essentially,
1: I mean, net that hedging crypto by lending crypto and then borrowing crypto. Holy fuck.
4: It actually costs them more money than it makes because this is absolute first chaos. they're paying interest rates out to their customers to borrow the ether. And then they're also paying, uh, between two to three percent to those protocols to borrow the stable coins and over collateralized matters. So it was actually costing them money on the part of the the part that's actually visible to us on the, on the blockchain.
0: So they're making all these bets, some of them risky. And I guess you found that some of these didn't exactly pan out. Can you explain that?
4: Yeah, so there were a, a couple of mistakes that they've made that i found, um, and there are probably others as well. Um, one example of that was this thing called StakeHound um, Ether, which to get into it, it's a little bit complicated, but essentially, they were using this service to take some of the customer Ethereum and deposit it to this ETH2 contract, which is something that has to do with Ethereum switching from proof of work to proof of stake. The long story short is that the money that goes into this contract is locked so you can't access it for a very long period of time it's indefinite at least until the switch occurs so what stake count allowed you to do was they gave you a derivative token that you could then kind of keep playing with and use to say borrow against or lend out um, and for a while the market was treating that as equivalent to to uh, ether um the problem was that stake count actually lost the keys to uh, over half of the bitcoin or the ethereum that, or ether that they had uh, deposited so essentially what happened is the crypto that they gave them is locked up for essentially forever, unless the keys can be found. And the STE derivative token that they were using to kind of uh, stand in for the for the ether that they had deposited basically is worthless now. So that's, it was a massive loss. I mean, we were talking tens of millions of dollars. Another example was this Badger DAO hack, which happened uh, several months ago. Um, essentially
0: it was like a All phishing attack. They were
4: participating you in this the Badger tokens. DAO protocol. They ended up losing $54 million of wrapped Bitcoin.
0: Wow. That's a lot of money. But there's also a side of this, which is the incompetence of Celsius, which I think a lot. It's like losing
1: your password on a massive scale. Yeah, but like it's also like losing your password. And at the same time, it's just some team of people doing a whole bunch of really foolish shit and high risk, incredibly high risk moves in the background with your
0: crypto savings. A lot of customers didn't know about it at the time. Uh, explain that.
4: Yeah. So uh, BadgerDAO, like in order to, yeah, to everyone's situation, um, came up with a, a plan essentially to reimburse people, and it's a little bit convoluted. But essentially, the way it worked was that the the DAO gave the the victims these tokens called REM Badger, so reimbursement Badger, <laughs> and the the only the only requirement was that they had to hold those tokens in their wallet or in the BadgerDAO
1: protocol for a period of two years as the as these re- <laughs> okay i've got a solution to all this i've lost all of you millions and millions of dollars but here's what we do i invent a new cryptocurrency and then you get your money back in the form of that cryptocurrency you just can't sell it so hold on to it for two years at which point the value will probably be at least i don't know two thousand times more moip like i've moIped the moip on this one and it's highly moip rewards
4: were paid out over time unfortunately and i haven't got an explanation as to why this happened but a few months ago, Celsius actually removed all of those ben REM Badger tokens from that deposit account. Um, and essentially, that means they, they lost the right to get any more reimbursements from the DAO.
0: Why did they remove the, the Badger tokens? I mean, your guess is as good as mine. So it's literally stupidity is what you're saying. It was
4: the mistake. Well, so it's, it, it, the, the mistake is so egregious because there was actually a warning screen that would pop up and say, you know, if you do this, you are forfeiting all of your reimbursements from here on out.
0: Tens of millions of dollars just lost because of a stupid basic mistake. Yes. (laughs) See, it's stories like this that appear to be something of a microcosm for Celsius, a small example that shows a much deeper problem. Problems like growing too quickly and having bad executives. See, Celsius by the time of their collapse was almost at 800 people. Mind you, this is only like a four to five-year-old company. And just in the past year, statistics showed they grew their staff by 281%. You can just not onboard people this quickly. They were growing too fast and trying to scale too fast as well. And ultimately it looks like they paid the price. Remember that this is supposed to be a budget bank passing on the savings to their customers, unlike you know the big traditional finance banks. But with this many employees, it's not clear how that's even possible. I mean, they were likely spending somewhere between 10 to maybe $50 million per year just on employees. And again, this might not be a problem if they were hiring star employees, but the opposite actually seems to be true when we dig into it. Here are a few examples of what I mean. Their chief financial officer, for example, got actually arrested while working for the company Hmm. under money laundering charges. Their chief revenue officer also got in trouble when he started a business with a convicted money launderer while at the company. And then you also have their head of lending, a 24 year old whose face I will blur for privacy, who turns out to only really have been in the industry for four years, before she worked as an adult actress, before coming on to Celsius, and then moved into a marketing assistant position, before becoming the head of managing hundreds of millions of dollars of loans. To have someone with only a few years of experience handling hundreds of millions of dollars of customers' money is just always going to be a bad thing. And once again, the insider that I spoke to at Celsius agreed that this was all sort of... Yeah, that
1: definitely sounds like an entry level position. This, like, it's the like calling it the Wild Wild West is so true because it's like everything that is taking place right now with this company, uh, like it would be unfathomable, uh, you know, in the regular markets or the regular world. But here it's just like, well, I mean, we get yield. How do you produce
0: yield by yielding? Yeah, we we moip par for the course. They called it a, quote, story of incompetence. That's literally how they described this whole company. But of course, you wouldn't know about that, would you? If you just listened to Alex Mashinsky, who describes his company in much different terms. He describes it as safe and, of course, totally solvent. Only days before they froze all their funds, Alex was still going on AMAs saying stuff like this. Are our funds safe at
1: Celsius? Can you address- uh, better to hire an experienced adult performer. They'll know how to handle finances a lot better. True. Address that for the audience.
2: Yes, so not just that they're safe. Again, we provided anyone who wanted to withdraw partially or fully. There were, were no problems. I know people are uh, concerned about the whole market. And they were specifically concerned with the Terra Luna situation that we've publicly stated many times that we would we didn't lend to them we were we didn't buy luna or ust we were not like many others who invested in the project we didn't have any exposure to that
0: two days before uh everything went under he said that he lost his voice and was unable to attend an ama he had to reschedule it (laughs) and honestly all indications point to the fact they knew what was going on and chose to hide this fact from their customers who they knew were
1: I, i love that oh, I lost my voice, I can't do the AMA. It's like, did you lose your fingers too? Because you can go on
0: Reddit right now and, and do the the typed out AMA, just saying. Going to get screwed because remember that customers were not depositing, they were loaning to Celsius. This was an unsecured loan, meaning that when everything goes belly up, well, too bad, you're gonna be the last one to get paid as one of the, you know, regular retail investors. On the other hand, a lot of the loans that Celsius did have from other companies like Tether, who they reportedly borrowed a billion dollars from. These were collateralized loans. So Tether boasted the other day that they had no exposure to Celsius's collapse and just liquidated them. It's also worth noting that Tether is a massive shareholder of Celsius. Go figure. So once again, the big guys get out fine and the little guy gets squashed. And so it's at this point that we have to say Celsius looks pretty much unsolvent, especially if they got liquidated for almost a billion dollars. They've lost money on BadgerDAO, on StakeHound. They're losing money everywhere, and everyone wants their money back at the same time. Now, I know things are getting heavy. As I said, Celsius looks insolvent from top to bottom, and there's been talk of them trying to find some way to sort this all out. But I find it very ironic who they turn to in their time of need. This fake bank that sees the big banks as bad guys. You know who they turn to when they finally admit that they screwed up? They turned to Citigroup, which No is way. a bank. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no and we way. all just appreciate this fact that this fake bank, which was claiming to you know, be saving the people, is now turning to a real bank in their time <laughs> of crisis. You just can't make this do- stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> their entire white paper was shitting on banks that was the entire sales pitch it's like hey by the way banks are fucking over the little guy we get it we want an alternative to this everyone celsius is the answer oh shit we're insolvent okay we need a bank to bail us out Save us, banks. <laughs>
0: the funny part of this whole story because i do have to say there is some bad news which is that alex mashinsky looks like he's walking away with um let me uh, check here, Uh, millions of dollars. How Ah. is that possible? Well, because of Celsius token, the crypto token they built around their company, also known as Cell. When it started, it really didn't do much. There was no real customer demand, but through some clever manipulation and incentives, Alex managed to get himself some real demand for this token that pretty much has no reason to exist. To understand how that's possible, you have to start by knowing that Alex Mashinsky was just sort of given a lot of these tokens to start, obviously. He's the largest individual owner of Cell, but he can sell them whenever he wants to.
1: <laughs> you know what's funny is that uh, this already happened on The Simpsons a while ago. The the whole, like, uh, we hate banks. Save me, banks. Science. what <laughs> science ever done for us? And uh,
2: And ooh, uh, I'm paralyzed. I just hope medical science can cure me.
1: <laughs> there it is. Right there. This is... This is the ceo of celsius
0: <laughs> and of course the problem is why would you buy this token that he automatically has a bunch of money in if it's not like gonna give you a share in the profit of the company well they thought of a brilliant way to sort of create demand out of thin air so you know how you can invest your crypto in celsius and earn a yield right well it turns out that if you'd simply accept your payment in sell tokens instead of let's say your native cryptocurrency you deposited, you'd be paid extra money, extra interest, which is pretty ingenious because it makes people start to get into your token. But it wasn't just that they did. They also added something called a loyalty program, where if you held a balance of their native token, you'd get extra rewards on your interest with the platinum level giving you 30% more. The exact same thing as crypto.com did. Thanks, Matt Damon. Earn your interest payments and if you think the degeneracy stops there well of course you're wrong because they go even further the next layer they added onto that is that you can actually stake your celsius in their earning program as well and earn interest on your interest with bonus interest is everyone bonus following interest. that that's the way celsius inflated their coins value which frankly sort of had no reason to exist except to give their founder a way out of the token himself and sell cool. it, he did. Alex cool Mashinsky, it turns out, was sort of constantly selling this sell token. And I spoke to Dirty Bubble Media about this once again. And here's what he said.
4: Yeah, so Alex's selling was a, kind of a focus of a lot of my work. There was a total lack of transparency around it. Um, I mean, Celsius so, uh, so often pull. would kind of tell their, their transparency pull on, top of on things. Else. But when it came to these sales, he, he would admit that he was selling some tokens, but would never give a specific amount. So so based just on the numbers that Celsius itself provided, they have a list called the top 500 holder list that they would periodically update that was the top 500 holders of this cell token. Um, it looked like there were several million tokens that were sold by Michinski over a period of about a year.
0: What is the rough US dollar um, um, kind of equivalent of that?
4: Tens of millions, tens of millions.
0: So he's walking away basically even more rich than he was before and his users are walking away what seems like maybe bankrupt
4: uh very possibly yes
0: wow that's heartbreaking when i later went to the insider i'd been talking to at celsius and asked them what they thought about this whole situation they told me sort of a similar sentiment they said two words it's over so even though i don't like to give bad news on this channel despite what everyone thinks probably i do have to agree i think um celsius's time as a fake bank LARPing as Robin Hood is coming to an end. Ironically, they ended up screwing regular people way worse than the real banks ever will. And it's become a huge cautionary tale to not just listen to people because they're saying what you want to hear. They told people that financial freedom was just an investment away, that they would do all the heavy lifting. And all you had to do was sit back and unbank yourself by banking yourself. And unfortunately, that's just kind of where this story ends. I know it's a bit of a bummer today, guys. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you in the next one.
1: No, that was a great episode. I don't know. I um, I don't have any money invested in Celsius, so I probably is uh, easier to watch than someone who's watching this and thinking, oh, dear God, why did I invest in Celsius coin? I was, I was like platinum tier. Oh, no, no. Um, but also, uh, super, super shitty that these assholes keep getting away with this shit. Like, this individual uh, is pulling a massive scheme that, again, if you were doing this in open markets, if you're doing this in regulated markets, uh, you would think that the SEC would be all over this. Like, if you were a bank, like a real bank, you know, then then there would be a lot of questions. So you've just been listening to an episode of The Surf Times. And if you enjoy it and want to see The Surf Times, you can go to wearesurfs.com or watch the live shows at thesurfs.tv. And also everywhere social media is sold, basically the you'll find us there, twitter.com slash for example. It would also help us out tremendously if you could leave a good review of this podcast if you enjoyed it, either on, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you're podcasting. Apparently it does help. And yeah, we hope to see you soon.
3: To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, we are prepared to conduct many a human sacrifices in your honor. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are but your humble yet incompetent gestures, trying in vain to bring some levity into your life. To our lord, Trevor R., we give you thanks for this meager plot of land for us to toil away our pathetic existence. To our brave knights, Carl Wauer, Tony, D.M. Rivera, Resident Scarecrow, Sir Nickus, Mayred, Cheryl Alvarez, Ruben Kelly, Brandon... Words Greenwood, Nate, Hegbird Celine Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariane McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, Coulter Smith, Jenna Quiet185, Anna Loves Riley, Omni, Riley and Anna, Poodle Hawk, The Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Janis, Lemmy101, Anthropophojak, Saren42, Catherine, Ramon Acosta, Ncosen, Agent NDN, Violent Orchard, Political Puppy, Andreas Chiringuito, Zach Christensen, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajaness. We salute our mighty heroes off to conquest some bread in some far off land.